Amen. So we're going to go to a new series. And I uh, mentioned it on uh, Wednesday. uh, Love and unity. Love and unity. And we'll see. I'm going to try not to speak long tonight. But um, you'll see as we go through, a lot of these scriptures are pretty much the same. And I believe it's important because God wants us to love. Why? Because God is love. Right. He, He is love. And he wants us to be in unity. You know, sometimes we look for the world leaders to bring us together, you know, whether it's as a nation or as coming together, you know, to discuss things and situations that are going on. And, you know, it's, it's, I guess it is funny, but uh, I was going to say it's funny, but it's probably not funny. But, <laughs> you know, what seems to draw us together as people a lot of times is bad things. Right. Even if it's um, war or not necessarily war, but attack like September 11th, that seemed to draw the country together for the most part. And we can't look for the world to to try to come together in love and unity when we as the body are not functioning in love and unity. Right. So y'all heard me said it before. We've we've all said it that, you know, no matter where we go, if we run into another brother or sister in Christ. We should function as a family, you know, a spiritual family. Right. There, there shouldn't be dysfunction amongst the believers, body of believers, because that's not how God stands. And the one common theme that keeps us together is his Holy Spirit and the word of God. And these are the things that we, we, we have to stand upon, you know, so even in, in this ministry, and I said from the beginning that from the beginning of when we started that, you know, we, we're going to teach against the grain, meaning we're going to teach some things that may be sound different than what we're used to. And that's OK, as long as it's lining up with what the scriptures say, because I was thinking this week, you know, what we tend to do. And I'm saying we as in Christians as a whole, we tend to give our opinions a lot as if they were facts. And the only thing that's facts is the word of God. Amen. Right. It doesn't matter even going back to, you know, whether it's Martin Luther or John Calvin. The fact remains that the scriptures are what we stand on. The scriptures are what we go by. In order to understand that, we, 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 we have to be in the scriptures. Right. We have to read the scriptures. Doesn't mean we're going to be, you know, we're all called to be experts in that. But as we read the Bible, we see that God wants us to dwell together in love and unity. Why? Because, again, God is love. God, the father, God, the son and God, the Holy Spirit. They dwell together in unity. And that's how we should be. You know, the world and even some churches would say, hey, be who you want to be. But we want you to be in this house. We want you to be what God's called you to be. Right. And that's the important thing. What God has called you to be. And sometimes people may not know that. And that's OK. But you continue to serve him and you continue to walk with him. And in due time, he will reveal it to you. Doesn't matter what prophet or prophetess so-and-so says. It's matter what. God is speaking to you Amen. right now we can get we can get confirmation but ultimately it matters what God is speaking to us as individuals right so we don't want you to be conformed into what Rasan is <laughs> we want you to be transformed but we want you to be conformed to what the word of God says 
you should be. Amen. Amen. And, and that's, that's, that's the vital thing. So and ultimately, what, I, what I'm trying to get to is I want you to be a critical thinker when it comes to the Word of God. Not criticizing everything that's said when you hear somebody speak, but being critical in the sense of, hey, I'm going to go and I'm going to research, read, the, you know, to make sure that matches up with what Rasan or anybody else I may listen to, what it says. Does it match up with what's in the Bible? You know, or in the sense of, are we looking for, when we're looking for direction, are we going to the scriptures to look for guidance and direction? Right? Because the Holy Spirit will speak to us through the word of God. Right? But sometimes what we want to do, we want to be like Gideon. Right? We, we want Gideon, or let it rain over here. And I'm always exaggerating. You know, I'm going to lay this blanket out and just keep this spot here dry. And then I know what you want me to do. <laughs> no. See, we're more advanced than Gideon. Why? Because we have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And we have the Word of God. Right? So we, we, we don't have to do that. And not that that's wrong, per se, but those are not things that we rely on. So in other words, we want to be like the Bereans. All right? So let's turn to um, Acts 17. Acts 17. And see, the Bereans were complimented. Acts 17, beginning at verse 10, 10 to 12. All right. Acts 17, beginning at verse 10. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. So they sent Paul and Silas away. They were leaving Thessalonica. Why? Because some of the Jews were um, riling up the city there. So they, they didn't want nothing to happen to Paul and Silas. So they sent him to Berea here. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews. These were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. That word prominent means wealthy, influential. So these are some upper-class rich people here right so and again sometimes today we may forget the rich people and we may focus in just on the lower middle class or the poor even the middle class but forget the rich people but these are people that were willing and ready to receive what Paul had to say but even though we know Paul was well known throughout the area they didn't just take Paul at his word they researched the scriptures to make sure the Apostle Paul was saying what was lining up with what the scriptures, make sure it was true. So if they did that with the Apostle Paul, how much more should we do that today? Right? It doesn't matter who we are, but we, we have to make sure that what someone is speaking is lining up with the word of God. So when the Bereans heard Paul teach, they, they settled they, they, their, their reaction wasn't, man, this is Paul. Let's just automatically take what he was saying. No. They said, let's search to make sure what he's saying is accurate. 
But the thing is, the Bereans didn't come as skeptics neither. Why? Because they came with open hearts and a clear mind. And that's what we have to have. We have to have open hearts and a clear mind. So even when we talk about love and we, we, we talk about unity, and we're about to get there in a minute, but we have to have an open heart and a clear mind. Why? Because some of the things that the scriptures say will challenge us. See, we're fine and dandy when we know that, because we understand and we've heard that, yeah, we're to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? But scriptures doesn't stop there. It keeps going. But now let, let's turn to uh, 1 John. 1 John chapter 3. All the way at the end of the book. The Bible. <laughs> Love and unity. And, and what's amazing is when we see the church today as a whole, there's not a lot of love there. Not a lot, a lot of unity. It doesn't mean we're going to agree with everything, but there shouldn't be fighting, dissension among us as brethren. Because if they can't, if the world can't see us being in unity and love, then what are they seeing in us? They, that means... We're conforming to the world. Alright. 1 John chapter 3 verse... Actually, we'll start at verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. So that word deceive means to lead you astray. Don't let anyone lead you astray. Like the Bereans. The Bereans didn't want to be led astray. What did they do? They verified what Paul was saying was accurate. So that means that not only when Paul was saying... Anyone else that came after them, they were verifying what, what was uh, being said. All right. He who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. And Marshall mentioned righteousness uh, last week. So the righteousness means the state of him as he ought to be. Integrity. So again, he who practices righteousness is righteous just as he is righteous. Verse 8. He who sins is of the devil. For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Verse 9. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin because he has been born of God. So that, that verse is meaning that the one that is born of God does not practice sin. Doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but that's the one that it's not practicing sin. So that is the one that is born of God. Verse 10. In this, the children of God and the children are manifest. Man, meaning it's evident. So it's evident that meaning that what? A, ch a child of God is going to be someone who practices righteousness. A child of the devil is going to be someone who practices sin. But what else? Whoever does not practice righteousness is what? Not of God. Let's keep going. Nor is he... Who does not love his brother? That means sisters too. Right? So, if we don't love our brother and sister in Christ, then guess what? We're of the, father, of the devil. That's how important that, that is because a lot of times we will say, well, you know, I'm going to leave that person. I'm not going to associate with them no more. It's wrong of a believer to say, I will never forgive another believer. That's not of God. 
And see, they will think that they're still saved because they go to church. They will think that they're still saved and of God because they read the Bible. But what does the scripture say? Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God. Nor is he who does not what? Love his brother. But sometimes we do that. Yeah, I'll give you a perfect example. So when we were in Connecticut one time, we, we, uh, we were attending the church and then we were going to leave the church to, and we were going to go look for another church. But I got offended by the pastor when we left. And I carried that hurt with me to the other church. And what that did was, oh, even though I read my Bible, even though I was attending church, guess what? My heart still wasn't seeking God like I normally would. Why? Because I was hurt and I was thinking back to what, how the pastor treated me when I left. See, that kept, and, and the thing about this, the pastor of the church we started attending, he was trying to guide me through it in the sense of he wasn't trying to say, hey, it's okay to, to, to not forgive or anything like that. We, we didn't talk about that, but he was trying to get me back on the right track, basically to restore me, right? But it took a little while because guess what? Every time I thought about the other pastor, <laughs> every time there was a trigger, I went back. And that kept me from serving God, praising God, and surrendering to God. See, so why? Because I wasn't being Christ-like. I was being like the devil. I had unforgiveness in me. I couldn't love. So even though that pastor may have done something, he was still my brother in Christ. Right, but I didn't love him. <laughs> At that moment, I didn't love him. And that's how sometimes we be. And then when we get hurt, sometimes we leave, <laughs> we'll go to another church, and then we carry that church hurt with us. And then if we're not careful, there might be another member, even the pastor there, who dealt with church hurt, who doesn't want to get right, per se, and, and will talk to you and say, hey, it's okay, we all experience church hurt. That's okay. That's normal. Come in here. We're all church hurt together. No. No. <laughs> We're supposed to love and be in unity. See, because if we're all dwelling in church hurt together because someone at a previous church or family member, whoever, hurt us, then we're not going to be who God called us to be. There's going to be a wedge there between us and the Lord. No matter how much we read our Bibles, no matter how much we go to church, no matter how much we go and do outreach, because there's always going to be a trigger there. And this is the problem I was just, I mentioned to my wife, but I was thinking about it this week. I'm pretty sure it was this week. Uh, I don't understand why we have so many Christians that are walking around hurt when we come into the Lord. And, you know, I get it. <laughs> you know, it's not always easy to overcome some things right but we have so many Christians walking around hurt because they've been rejected wasn't Jesus rejected Jesus was rejected right Jesus, Jesus was not even just rejected by the world but what he was rejected by his disciples those who were supposed to be the closest to him when he walked the earth they rejected him the people rejected him what if Jesus would have said, I got church hurt. I'm leaving y'all. Forget y'all. 
but that, that, that's, that's, that's how we do today as believers. You heard me? Forget you. I'm leaving. And then sometimes we don't even go to church. We'll sit at home. I don't, I don't, I don't, no, I don't need a church. I don't need you. You're saying that because now, instead of being a child of God, now you're starting to drift towards the side of the devil. And see, we don't see it because now we start to become opinionated. Even if we start to hear other ministers speaking, and they could very well be speaking truth, and now we start criticizing things that they may say. And we're doing that because we're hurt. We got to get over that. Because guess what? Jesus had to get over it. <laughs> and if Jesus can get hurt and still go on the cross and still die for us, how can we not love our brothers and sisters in Christ? Who we see? Who we see? So in John 13, 34, 35, Jesus says what? By this the world will know you are my disciples. By your love for one another. So now, if we're not loving one another and we're talking about people, what do they see? They're seeing children of the devil. <laughs> because what we're doing is we're creating a wedge in the body. And we're, we're, we're going to get to that. Not today, but we're going to get to that. Because we're supposed to be a functioning machine with different parts. I, I don't know if you've ever been to Duck Donuts before. Have you ever been to Duck Donuts? Where they make the donuts right in front of you. So you see them make the donuts and you see them put it in the grease and, and then it's like a machine. And they come out good, right? I said, you shake your head. They come out good. Exactly. And that's how we're supposed to be <laughs> as a body, functioning. Right? We're not all screws. Some of us are bolts. I can't think of no other parts off <laughs> But we know we're all different parts. And we function together. And the thing is, Jesus takes it two steps further. What? He not only says, what? Love our brothers, but to love our neighbor. Love our neighbor. See, that takes care of everybody else. Right? And then sometimes we may say, well, okay. I like that neighbor, so I love him. <laughs> but that person's an enemy, so they're the devil, so I'm not going to love them. But Jesus takes care of that too, because in Matthew chapter 5, grace of message peace in the Bible. Right? Beatitudes. He says what? To love our enemies. The world won't tell us that. <laughs> love our enemies. Now we see in the church today. Nah, that that leader there, that politician, they don't agree that they, 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 everything they're saying goes is contrary to the Bible. So I'm not gonna pray for them. But that's not what the scriptures say. That we're supposed to pray for our leaders. Amen. Right? Oh no, Biden's doing this. Biden's allowing this. Our job's supposed to. You know, I, I, I wonder sometimes how we will be as a church today if Nebuchadnezzar was coming to attack the United States. Or better yet, Israel. We would say, oh no, God's going to say. When God said, He's my servant. All the evil He was doing, God said, He's my servant. Right, but we still have to pray. And see, we'll, we'll get to. Uh, Peter eventually, but when Peter was writing to the church there, they were under heavy persecution by Nero. 
But we got to love. We, we have to love. We have to be different. So watch. So even right. So what? Somebody smacks the cheek. What? Give them the other. We don't want to do that. We want to rise up and fight. And it's really our pride that's going to cause us to fight. Yeah. Right? I'm not saying taking the pummeling or anything like that. But we still we, we have to love. And, and the scriptures tell us as much as possible to live with peace. With everyone as much as possible. Alright, so let's keep going. So, righteousness, so both of these are essential. So, righteousness without love makes one a, a religious Pharisee. And love without righteousness makes one a partner in evil. So, we don't want to be associated with neither one of those things. Right? But we want to be associated with our Father. We want to be associated with Jesus. We want to be associated with the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit helps us to be able to love. That's what we have to remember. Alright, verse 11. 1 John 3, 11. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Again, not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Verse 13. Do not marvel, my brethren. God bless you. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Uh-oh. I'll read that again. He who does not love his brother abides in death. So it's not okay for us not to love our brothers and sisters in Christ. In other words, it's not optional. It's not optional. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. So now just imagine if John said this today in the church today, he'll probably be criticized. But see, John was able to say that because he heard someone else say that, which was Christ, by saying, hey, you're the father, your father's the devil. Right? So now, when we don't love our brothers and sisters in Christ, again, who's our father? Who are we imitating? <laughs> Who are we like? Are we going to be like Cain? Or are we going to be like Abel? Are we going to be like Jesus? Or are we going to act like the devil? See, the world will say it's okay for us to hate our enemies. It's okay for us to what? Repay evil for evil. But that's not Jesus' way. Amen. So I'll read uh, John chapter 8. You don't have to turn there. John chapter 8, verses 41 through 45. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, We were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to them, if God were your father, you would love me, for I proceeded forth and came from God. Nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father, the devil, and the, de and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. We have to remember 
that we have to pray not only just for our brothers and sisters in Christ, not only just for our neighbors, but also our enemies. Amen. That's showing love. Because we have to remember, we always have to remind ourselves that Jesus died for everybody. Could you imagine how we would be with Paul and what he was doing? We wouldn't accept Paul today, obviously in a sinful state, right? We wouldn't accept that. But we, we, we have to love. We have to love. All right, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. First Corinthians chapter one, we'll begin at verse 10. And what I did mention is what John was describing here was a love for the people of God is a basic sign of being born again. So we can't say that we're Christians, but we don't like we don't love people. We don't love our brothers and sisters of Christ. Then we have to question whether or not we're actually born again. And the thing is, hatred can be expressed passively or aggressively. Passively by ignoring a person. <laughs> I've been guilty of that. <laughs> I've been guilty of that. Oh, I'm not going to respond. That's wrong. Alright, First Corinthians 10. That was love part. Now we're going to introduce the unity and then we'll, we'll get ready to close up after this. Now I plead with you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in, this, in the same mind and in the same judgment. Verse 11. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren, by those of Chloe's household. Now, Paul snitching here. Okay, because he wouldn't notice unless somebody went and told him. Right now, he doesn't say Chloe, but he says those of Chloe's house. So all they got to say, Chloe, who'd you send to Ephesus? Because that's where Paul wrote this letter from. <laughs> that there are contentions among you. Verse 12. Now I say this, that each of you says, I am of Paul or I am of Apollos, or I am of Cephas or I am of, of Christ. So basically, we'll, we'll stop right there. So the Corinthian church suffered under quarreling and conflict. This conflict had made them divide up into parties or cliques, each party having its own leader. Now, you know, it's interesting, as I was studying it th throughout this week in different commentaries and things like that, it's interesting, I came across one, and I've heard it, heard it before, saying, well, because the Corinthian church, actually, from verse 1 to verse 10 of the same chapter here, Christ is mentioned 10 times. And they're saying that, hey, you know, they're born again. So almost like giving us an excuse to where the church today can function like the Corinthian church. Here's the difference. We have something that the Corinthian church didn't have. No, nope, they had the Holy Spirit. We have the whole Bible. They didn't have even all the Gospels when this letter was written to them. They didn't even have 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. But we do. Okay, so now we see throughout the New Testament over and over from different authors saying, hey, don't do this, don't do that. Don't be like this. If you practice these things, they didn't have that. All they had was their culture and Paul being there. So Paul would have to remind them. So it's the same thing when I read in uh, Acts, and I forgot, I think a couple months ago, with Ephesus. 
how you have believers still practicing certain things curious hearts to witchcraft because they didn't know but we know because we have the full Bible before so why are we making excuses to be like what they were doing so in other words we want to dumb ourselves down to say it's okay for us to do certain things no it's not okay alright so that word division there going back to verse 10 in the Greek it means schismata it actually means to tear or rent to rip apart so what Paul is actually saying stop tearing up the body stop tearing up the body with your divisions now who gets affected by that Christ why because he's the head now I'm not a medical expert so Marsha can confirm I think a person that's brain dead doesn't have feelings physical feelings right Christ is alive so when we bring division we don't function in unity we hurt Christ we're tearing his body up so it's like being cut we know sometimes cuts they hurt right so we know if we get a cut whether it's a razor cut knife cut whatever it is even a paper cut it hurts those are even the worst yes those are even the worst they hurt and we're hurting Christ when we do that but he's saying look be of the same mind right we're not supposed to have divisions but we're supposed to be in love and unity but we forget that see Paul is calling for the Corinthian church the same thing he's calling for us to be perfectly joined together not that we're all going to be alike because and we'll talk about that later on because we all have different personalities Peter, James and John they all were disciples walked with Christ but they all had different personalities they were different Christ didn't want them to be the same why? because it's just like that machine duck donuts <laughs> we function together good now we put out a product that's good but if we're tearing up the body now it's not going to come we're not going to function the same we won't be effective and we wonder why the church is not effective today we got this denomination talking about this denomination and I'm not even concerned about the denomination but we're just putting each other down how about we just stand on the book how about we come into agreement and stand on the book what's in the word that's the unity right there right we're not trying to make preachers and believers celebrities and things like but we have Christians that want to you got Christians that want to be ministers and it's like for what? Why? Because it is a prestige that comes behind it within the church and that's what they want. That shouldn't be. Again, love and unity. We have to be who God called us to be and now we can function properly. He says again that ye all speak the same thing. That ye agree both in your judgments and expressions concerning the doctrines of the gospel or that you do not unnecessarily or unkindly contradict each other. And see, we'll we, we argue back and forth. And the thing about it, even with what's going on between uh, Israel and Palestine, we have Christians on both sides. Bickering and arguing. For what? Again, with the love. How come they're not out there praying? How come they're not out there coming together and praying? Because it is ultimately a spiritual battle. But it's the flesh. And we're, we're, they're tearing up the flesh. 
That, that, that's not love. That's not unity. We got Christians arguing over politicians on who to vote for. They, 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 they're literally bickering over that. I, and then, I talked about it before, you got Christians. Well, if you approve of this person, defriend me. But we're supposed to be brothers and sisters in Christ? Does that make, is that biblical? No, that's not. <laughs> but again, now what we're doing is we're conforming to the world and not Christ. Amen. So we're, we're, I'll stop right there. We'll, we'll pick up this next week. Amen. Let's bow our heads.